What's going on, everybody? Back in L.A. after the Chicago Combine, we have some tales from the Combine, I guess. I don't even know. I don't even know. I would be better if I knew that ahead of time before I teased it out. I have a thing on rosters, the NBA rosters, and something that's happening. People are saying over and over and over again, and it's just its kind of stupid. So I'm going to go ahead and address that a little bit later. But Saruti is back in Bristol. Hello, Steve. What's good? You just want to get right in this Drake thing, huh? I, I just asked you about it because I can't believe so many people are upset about it. And I don't think you're upset about it. I think we sort of agree. I think know, he looks like a tool. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't do it myself, but I can't believe so I can't believe people are mad at him. Uh it's here's here's my thing about it. We all know he's one of the fakest fans when it comes to this stuff. But now look, Toronto fans are gonna tell me, Are you kidding me? the six dude he's locked in homegrown. all right fine yeah homegrown toronto and all this stuff this is 100 percent about him this isn't even about the raptors so that's the part that annoys me is that it's this thespian this performance this thing where it's like how do i make this all about me where if the raptors aren't good he, he's not gonna be doing this and oh yeah when Kawhi leaves it'll be interesting to see yeah. how many home games he's at yeah he'll he'll have checked out so, I uh, I just yeah you know whenever I notice throughout the entire game I just go this is this is kind of lame man so that's but, where I'm at with but it. I just I don't I like I said I wouldn't do it myself um you know I I know there are people that are that'll argue that he's more than just a fan like he's an ambassador you know he does, does stuff that with mean? the team I don't know that's, like I heard I heard Jalen and them so talking about this morning stupid. you know he's a global ambassador for the team and I know he does have his own suite and they and he helped design the uniform so he I think he has a bigger say not say I think he has like a bigger role I don't know how much bigger than like guys like maybe Spike Lee or whoever um but, but the ambassador thing, like that, I'm sorry, but that just is a ludicrous thing to say. Like, oh, he's not a fan, guys. I think that's he's sort of an excuse to, the, get, to let him get away with some of the stuff that he maybe does. But I couldn't believe that Budenholzer even mentioned it. Once you figure out how you can, like, you know, figure out the, the Raptors' defense against Giannis, who have been absolutely suffocating in those two home games in Toronto. So I just can't believe uh, he even gave go. it two seconds to say, hey, oh, you know, Drake, the league should be better than that. We shouldn't let fans be doing that. They shouldn't be, you know, like, he didn't touch you, but he touched Nick Nurse, and Nick Nurse seems to be fine with it. Like, I just don't understand why. I can't believe it even came up. You almost started, like, hyperventilating there. Because it's that, just absurd. It? Like, it's, it's almost, it's like, de- let's deflect from the fact that we had two terrible games in Toronto to talk about how it was Drake's fault somehow. Okay, I don't think that's actually what's happening there. That, to me, is kind of the, when the guy hits the shot, it's like, whatever, you know, if you don't want him hitting the shot, don't let him, don't let him make it. Like, I saw that Drake liked something where someone said, if you don't want him celebrating it, what yeah. he's doing isn't, like, him liking that makes me feel even better about my argument. And, by the way, there's a ton of different things that happen in a game that Budenholzer's asked about. And so because they lost, it's like, hey, folks, I'm sorry, strictly Raptors defense. I, I don't want to go there. Do you, it's, okay. it's a thing. I, I mean, it's a, it's an absurd thing that it's kind of allowed to go this far. And I'm surprised like Kendrick Perkins yelling at him was actually my favorite Kendrick Perkins moment it was great. Of, exactly. of Perk's career because it's like, okay, Drake, like I get that, you know, you're posting more boxing videos and that kind of stuff. But, um, I, 
I think it's it's always kind of this gray area of okay, well, if you let him do this, it's always like NFL punishment sometimes, right? Where if a player wants to do something and you think, well, that's something that'd be really nice for the NFL to let that player do that, but guess what? The NFL's not going to let that player do that because if they let him do that, then adults are a lot like children when it comes to this stuff where it's like, well, wait a minute, he got to do that, then I should get to do this. And my thing isn't exactly the same. So the NFL just says, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. Um, baseball's had some things where it feels like, wait a minute, that's a pretty dictatorship type opinion on something. And you're like, yeah, but it's just, it's just a way to handle all the gray area stuff. Whereas the NBA and Toronto specifically, like what if Atlanta decided all of a sudden, you know, we're going to Migos, we're going to set all three dudes up. What's that? Two chains. I think he already does, doesn't he? Two chains is, yeah, two chains is down there, but then he was up in LA when he, he gave, he gave LeBron a chain. Uh, I think it is a little weird to have somebody even as famous as Drake is and it is ludicrous that I'm supposed to just think of him differently than a fan because he has a weird title. Uh I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's cool that he's in timeouts. I think even he freaked a little when he rubbed Nick Nurse's back. Like he put his he put his hands on his shoulders and like pulled him off a little bit. Like, wait a minute, am I crossing the line here? Nick Nurse isn't gonna say and he's just gonna say I didn't notice it. So if Nick Nurse, he could have said, oh, my God, I loved it, and if he did. He could have said, I didn't notice it if he didn't love it. Maybe he just didn't notice it at all. But Nurse Nurse has, like, no – what do you think he's going to say in Toronto in that city about Drake? Be like, yeah, actually, he could tone it down a little bit. The guy's a first-year coach. He's Nick Nurse. Yep. So he's – whatever he said, as far as I'm concerned, is irrelevant, too. I don't think it's the end of the world, all right? So, like, it feels like I've, I've said too much about it. But when I watch it, and this has been going on a couple of years, there's numerous occasions throughout a Raptors game where I just go, what, what is this? There's a difference, though, I think, between, and this will be my last thought on it. This is, there's a difference between, I don't think it's cool. I would never do it. I just don't have a problem with it, you know? Yeah, that's fine. That, that maybe, maybe more people will agree with you. It feels a little like millennial challenging authority, but... I don't want to do that to you. I was going to say, yeah, it's the go-to. Where was Will Kane on it? Uh, we didn't do it, actually. Maybe we'll do it today. Who knows? Not a big Drake. I mean, Will's not a big Drake guy, not a big rap guy, as, as you would as you would know. He doesn't like rap at I don't all. Think he, he, well, yesterday we played like a... Um, he doesn't, he's not a big music guy, period, other than like Willie Nelson and, I don't know, Chris Stapleton, maybe. Because uh, we played what a about clean all the song. Music? Yeah, but what about all the music you guys play when you come back? Well, so we played it. We played a Queen song, uh, which one? I think it was "I Want to Break Free," which is like a pretty Girls. well known. Would have been the same thing, but pretty well known Queen song, right? And he's like, "Bubba, what is this? Is I like this song?" And we're just like, "You don't know this. This song is like one of their biggest songs of one of the biggest bands ever, and you don't know what this is." He had no idea. He had never heard of Queen. He had heard of Queen, but he'd never heard of "I Want to Break Free." Huh. So that tells you what his music uh, scene is like. But whenever I listen to the show, I I feel like there's a real there's a real rock and roll vibe to it now. That's, oh, that's Bubba for sure. I mean, oh, that's just Bubba yeah, doing that. Yeah. Does he still do his nineties uh, yeah, day? Still sponsored. <laughs> it's still sponsored. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Getting their money's worth. Yep. I never catch it. So there's a Spotify playlist too. If you want to check it out. Bubba's nineties jam podcast, of the day. Is this podcast on Spotify? <laughs> this one, yeah. It is? Yeah. All right, check it out on Spotify. What's up? Because I know that that was a challenge there. 
for a little while. Speaking of music, saw Tool this weekend in Chicago. Whoa. Yeah. Speaking of 90s yeah. jams. Yeah. Are they late 2000s? I don't know. No, they're, they go deep. They're, they're probably their biggest stuff is the, the very, well, that's not, that's not really true. I would say late to mid 2000s, late 90s, mid 2000s. Not the century, but just the, the aughts. What are they getting away with that? Days? What are they into? Yeah. Kicking ass. I mean, I remember back yeah. in the day, Tool was awesome. They still are. Now, some people are always a little thrown off by my musical taste, and that's fine because it's all over the place. You can't really lock me down when it comes to that. But I had never seen him. I'd want to see him for, I don't know, however long, but it's just normally I'd be like, I don't want to go to some huge venue. And it was about 30,000 people, I think, in Chicago where the Chicago Fire, their MLS team plays. So I don't know if that's Bridgeton. We're going to have to go ahead and check the research on that one. Let's see here. Because I've mentioned to people, I'm like, yeah, I went to uh, I went to Tool. And they're like, wait a minute, what? Well, you texted me at Tool, and I had no idea what that meant. I figured it was a typo. That's a good chance it could have been a typo yeah. with this with this phone situation that I've had recently. But uh, it was amazing. Really tight. I think the thing with the heavy metal stuff, if you want to call them that, which seems eh, a little cheap, but there's certain heavy, heavy stuff that you just go, okay, this this isn't this isn't for me. But when you're as talented as those guys are, or like a Mastodon, and Tool Singer is incredible. And the cool thing is I, we had a, a friend who was able to get us back, and we hung out with the guys, not everyone in the band, because the lead singer, like I actually never saw him, and I think that's kind of his deal. He's like a real um, out there, I guess everybody likes him, but it was uh, he's, he's just a different cat. So it was like, yeah, you're never going to see him. He's going to run out on stage right before the show, and then right after the show's done, change his shirt, and he's going to be gone, which is cool. I mean, you know, I, you, the guys are older. I don't want to say old, but they're older dudes. Now, if you think about how long they've been going, you know, 50s, the late 50s, which is incredible because they just get out there and tear it up. But it was just the sound, everything's so clear, this music that just kind of marches over you, the video element of the whole thing. I really like them musically. I would imagine musicians are like me, even if I don't love what they do, which I don't know, that would surprise me. They're just so good that it's it's a little different than just, yeah, I'm going to go out there. I don't want to knock any other bands or anything like that. But it was uh, it was incredible. It was really, really incredible. I think I remember, like, the my, I didn't listen to, like, I didn't, I don't think, maybe I had a couple, you know, Tool songs on my iPod back in the day. But my my most vivid Tool memories are, like, high school football locker room stuff. Like, that there was the go. soundtrack to the locker room, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And like, sober? Oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah, let me tell you, that was a crowd that I wouldn't normally... <laughs> That crowd was, no one had anything on except for black jeans and some black pullover hoodie, long sleeve t-shirt. I've never seen. Wallet more. chains or. What's that? The wallet chains. A lot of wallet chains. Yeah, I could see that. It yep. was, the crowd was just, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that. I'm, I'm trying to describe it in the best way possible and I, I just don't think I can, I can do it. As, as an observer of, of the world, that one that one's beyond me. I just I walked around, I was like, whoa, whoa. I don't know that 
you kind of roll into that thing and you go, I don't think I'm going to meet a girl tonight. <laughs> I would say how many. Well, I, actually, I think you. I, I was going to ask you how many girls there probably were there, but I think you'd be surprised. They'd probably do pretty well. Oh, yeah. Chicks dig tool. You know, not really like maybe your type, but. No. That's all right. Not. Everybody has their type. Everybody right. has their type, but uh, it was it was an awesome show, and I, I want to thank those guys for because there was a connect that I had, and they let us hang out with them, and, and then we, we hung out on the stage, and we went back down, uh, hang out with them a little bit later afterwards, and they were all they were all awesome, man. They're all really cool to us. So we may have one of the members on this fall, yes, for the pod, which would be pretty cool i think but you know level of interesting i i think people would be really interested to hear from a member of of one of the biggest uh rock bands but they have a really weird story i mean they haven't had an album out in like 15 years and they have one coming out in august which the big joke is if you're in that world is like okay wait a minute they're never gonna come out with this thing so we've done a lot of music at the top of this podcast how how uh what are we 20 minutes in uh yeah we're like 10 minutes in cover oh, 10 a couple different genres we're good <laughs> it felt like 20 <laughs> So why don't we do this? So I want to get to this draft thing. But before we do that, I want to remind you about our good friends from Upstart. As most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is easy and getting out is hard, especially if your FICO score isn't great. Sky-high interest rates can make it incredibly hard for you to break out of the revolving debt cycle. Thankfully, now there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off high-interest credit card debt. So basically, you know, when you're younger, you start throwing stuff on a credit card because maybe you just don't get it. Maybe you're trying to keep up with the buddies. Maybe you want to take that spring break trip you know you can't really afford. And then you keep loading up this debt, and then you consolidate it and all these other different cards. So in a weird way, business wants you to do that. That's why they have everybody signing you up as soon as you get onto a college campus. But you don't know that yet. That's just part of getting older. So Upstart goes beyond the traditional FICO score when assessing your credit worthiness. They actually reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smarter interest rate. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They make it fast, simple, and easy to check your rate in just a few minutes without affecting your credit score. The best part, once the loan is approved, most people get their funds the very next business day, the next day. Over 200,000 people have used Upstart to pay off student loans, fund their wedding, or to make a large purchase. Free yourself from the burden of debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash Rosillo, that's R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O, to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes and won't affect your credit. That's upstart.com slash Rosillo. Let's talk some hoops. I want to start at least with what we have right now and how quickly this stuff changes. A few days ago, after Kawhi had to stay in Toronto because he hit the game winner in game seven, like oh, emotionally, man, Ugh, what a peak. And then two, two games, and I've, I keep saying this on every platform that I've been on, but that start to game two by Milwaukee was so good. You're like, man, are they just going to roll through this? And I've always thought Toronto's a really good team. I'm not, I don't know. It's hard to call any team great when it's a new version of it. Milwaukee statistically has been great, but then when Milwaukee's secondary guys who aren't killer, Middleton was actually pretty good in game four, but there's no, these teams are different. These teams are different than some of the teams that we're used to in the past where it's like, okay, there's two superstars. I'm not talking about last year's Cleveland, but 
the Cleveland run that lost in 17, came back from down 3-1 in 16. That was a LeBron and a Kyrie. Whether you have what you have out west with Houston, with Oklahoma City, even arguably like McCollum as the second best player to Lillard is better than Middleton or whatever version of the second best player you think it is with Milwaukee. And I think the same could be said for Toronto, where Siakam was someone where you went, man, they may have a legit scoring option here. And there have been stretches through the playoffs. And granted, yes, he's very young, and this is new to him, where you couldn't really rely on him. Lowry, who has moments in games that um, scare me a little still, like in Game 7 against Philly, like it was so clear to me that he just was somebody that wasn't 100% comfortable. Well, he was incredible in Game 4. So, you know, make sure that you balance it out with the credit when he's had better games. Because he's had, like, as bad as he's been in the playoffs, I'm giving him credit for any good game now because I don't know that that many happen. You know, there's a couple shooting games there, you know, going back a couple years. You're like, all right, that's that's fine. So this series is really about the secondary guys and having no idea what they are going to do. And... It feels a little unfair to put Middleton into that because Middleton's going to get his contract and he may be a perfect fit with Giannis spreading the floor, doesn't need the ball a ton, and he'll have nights where he just goes off. So Middleton, let's just do this. Let's just agree that Middleton's above what the hell are we going to get from this guy. But I would think even Bucks fans would say, yeah, we'd still love for that number two guy to be better than Chris Middleton, but that's, I don't know how that would happen. What kind of transaction would have somebody who's a top 10 player going, I want to go there, trade for me because I want to play with Giannis so bad. I mean, that's not very likely. So I'm glad that Toronto's come back and even the series just because I thought that these teams were a little more even than when we saw in the first two games. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think, um, you know, I I think I was the same as you. Game two, I'm like, whoa, this this team, and then that 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 was like the avalanche of everyone saying, hey, this is this team going to beat the Warriors? And I'm kind of glad that it sort of it, it sort of came back around because a, I wanted to see a good series, and b, I think we were getting way too ahead of ourselves there. I don't know how you could do that to the Warriors with everything that we've seen. Well, it was more off. like the without KD, I should say. Yeah, I, I actually felt people were dismissive of Golden State. Even without KD, like I felt like it was dismissive. Like the avalanche of the Bucks are unstoppable for 48 hours was pretty ridiculous for a team that as good as they've been, this is the first version of it. I mean, when have we ever done that? When have we ever done like, okay, this is the first version of this team. Oh my gosh, they're going to smash everybody. That doesn't really happen in basketball. I mean, but I think you have to, I mean, and I, I mean, you know this, but. It's hard to overlook some of those regular season metrics. I mean, they were what? They're one awesome. and two in beef offensive and defensive. They were like a top five regular season team ever. And I, I mean, you look at the way that the roster is constructed and I love how everything fits together. It looks perfect. But then you're like, yeah, they're, none of these guys have any real experience. That's, that's my whole point. And the metrics, it, they can't be. I've dug into it. And if you just, every time you start looking up some of the metrics from the regular season, you're like, wait a minute, what? You know, and these guys didn't play a ton of minutes because they were blowing out teams and they managed it a certain way. So I guess the part that makes me think like, okay, all right, we're good now is because I was going to be really surprised if Milwaukee just dump trucked them. And that's the way that it felt. And they very well could have been up 3-0 with the overtime stuff in, in game three and then Kawhi coming in looking a little gimpy. But I didn't feel like 
because Lowry was so good, because Ibaka had a really nice stretch, and now they're playing Powell more, I don't know that any of those guys are locks where you go, okay, here's what Kawhi's going to do, and I know exactly what this other guy is going to do. We're good. Whereas if you're a Milwaukee fan, despite Middleton's incredible shooting in Game 4, your guards have been so bad. I mean, Brogdon is a shock to be that bad unless you're giving him the excuse that he still missed all this time and he's coming back. Bledsoe is shot. I mean, his shooting numbers are terrible. And this is like a long stretch. Now we're starting to get the articles of Buckstaff still letting know Bledsoe they care. You know, those kind of titles where it's like, this is so bad. We're trying to do this emotional massaging through the media or making a point of, of telling him how much they need him. So... I'd expect the series probably to go seven. I wanted to see Toronto go home and knew they're better at home. It feels like Milwaukee's still going to win this series, but it just is probably going to come down to not what Giannis or Kawhi uh, does or doesn't do. It's going to be whose guards don't have throw up on their uniform games that, that we've seen from them, you know, collectively. I can't imagine Bledsoe's going to keep playing this poorly. Bledsoe's an interesting cat. In yeah, people, what happened? People love to hate on that guy. And maybe it's maybe the criticism of it is right. Now, if I go back and pull it, but would you agree that it feels like people are just so out on Eric Bledsoe? I just, I'm confused that I used to like him a lot. I used to like his game. I remember back in the day, I was like praying for the Magic to trade for him because they so desperately needed a point guard. And now it's like he's such an afterthought. And I kind of don't know what happened. Yeah, let's, let me see if I can get the game log here because I actually think it was it was pretty bad <laughs> all right yeah let's see here so against Boston last year um trying to find it here 4 12 5 of 13 8 for 13 3 of 9 5 of 15 3 of 10 9 of 12 so we actually had a good game seven and this is always some of the best content just listing guys game logs <laughs> but he if I look at it again he had a good first round against Detroit who cares right I mean actually the numbers are pretty staggering and then against Boston he had the terrible game one but then he redeemed himself he, you know 21 on 7 and 12 in game two missed a bunch of shots in game three okay game four and pretty good in game five and he hit shots, but now it's... I mean, these are his numbers from three against Toronto. 0 for 6, 1 for 5, 1 for 6, 0 for 2. He's 3 for 12, 3 for 10, 3 for 16, 2 for 7. So as bad as you may have thought, because I've heard so many people doubting Bledsoe in the, bath, in the past, as bad as you may have thought he was, he's never been this bad. Like, this is, this is atrocious. I mean, they're just leaving him open, too. Yeah, so... And once that happens, then we know what. I think Giannis, not that he's easy to defend, but becomes easier to defend through the playoff series because you're a little less freaked out the whole time. And you just know that the floor is going to go in a sag. Like if Bledsoe and Brogdon keep missing shots and you feel like Middleton's the only one you need to close out on and you know Lopez isn't hitting, when it's right, when Milwaukee's right, we know exactly what it looks like. Middleton pulling up in transition, boom, three. Trailer, three. Lopez, boom. Everybody spread out. Got to contest. Got to get a hand up. Okay, Giannis is just dribbling through everybody now because everyone's trying to help or make up more ground on Giannis as opposed to already being set stationary off a shooter. So not really complicated stuff, but the Kawhi part of it of has to stay in Toronto. Oh, my God, he has to leave. He has no help. He needs more help, too. Okay, it's tied up. 
Now he can eat for free everywhere in Toronto. And Drake offered up free back rubs. Nice. Want to remind everybody that loves basketball to check out the Low Post podcast this week. Zach and I are likely going to do another. He called it a home and home. What oh, a nice. what a basketball guy, huh? Box of Awesome season. Your favorite box of awesome, Steve, is what? You're still getting the ones I'm sending to you. Yeah, I, I got this. Like... I got this dope knife kit, which is pretty cool. Oh, um, knife kit. It's like one of the. I don't even know. I should probably know as an adult, like what they're called, but great for cutting pizza. Like it's an, actually a great thing to get as an adult, which is nice because I had like probably cheap, really cheap knives. So shouts out to Bespoke. That's great. That's great to know. I thought you were gonna say like you're walking around. Maybe you're going to the park with your dog on a Saturday and you just have a knife strapped to that, your not No, not yet. I'm not really like a pocket that guy knife about? guy or like a dagger guy. I have a buddy who's a dagger guy. He's got a couple daggers. Really he does? Thrones. Yeah. He got, he, Is he 15? <laughs> no. You're friends with the No, but girl. oddly enough, he also gets bespoke boxes. He texted me the other day about it. He got the, um, which one did he get? Oh, he got the coffee one. So what's up? Hey, that's great. All all guys of all interests are interested in Bespoke Post. With their Box of Awesome, Bespoke Post sends guys only the best stuff every month and test everything in the Box of Awesome themselves, from style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear. Every product gets put through the ringer before it gets put inside a monthly Box of Awesome. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel any time. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code RUSSILLO, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O, at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code RUSSILLO, for 20% off your first box. Okay, so the big thing that I actually wanted to do that I mapped out today was this thing about how rosters are built. And you know that I've said this forever, but people love to think every GM is an idiot in every sport because deep down we all kind of think we could do it. And if the job isn't that complicated, then it seems not more obtainable because you're not getting that job unless you're in that world. And most uh, everyone listening to this is not in the world of being able to pull that off. But there's just a thing. It's just it's the buddy that doesn't really watch the local baseball team that's got a beer in his hand and he's at a barbecue with you or maybe you're at a happy hour and some reliever comes in and the guy's actually been a really good reliever for a few months and he gives up a home run and your buddy just to be part of the conversation turns to you and goes never liked him you're like actually dude he's got like a sub one whip he's been terrific like you know the guy turned into a fastball but you wouldn't say that to him because most people wouldn't be that locked in it just it's just human nature in reading that book, Sapiens, about the evolution of man and human and all this stuff, there's just this fascinating part of what makes us different, and that's that we gossip and that we talk and that information provides not just power, but information becomes this this commodity where then it changes our perceptions, and it's, it's what separates us from every other animal uh, in a way. You know, actually, there's some studies about monkeys being able to do it, too, but you know what? That's not really what this podcast is about, whether or not monkeys are talking to each other and gossiping. But it's a really interesting point in that we always we always have this feeling of, of wanting to be included, wanting to be involved, and in offering up our opinion on stuff, and we don't really know what we're talking about because nobody really wants to say, oh, well, it's great to meet you guys. What are you talking about? Mm, I have no perspective or opinion on anything that you're currently talking about. It's just not fun. Nobody wants to do that. So the same thing applies to how we talk about GMs. We love, I hear it from so many different media members 
where, yeah, I think some of these guys are bad at their jobs, but they may not be void of any skill whatsoever. But writers, especially writers, eh, you know what, talk show, TV guys, all the same. Let's just pile everybody in the same thing. Uh, this has been my common theme that everybody wants to believe that they suck. So what's happening right now with Milwaukee and Toronto playing each other and this resurgence of Golden State is that, well, you know, you look at these teams, none of them have a top draft pick. Don't make that mistake. What is happening with Golden State without Durant is incredible. What happened before Durant, incredible. What's happening with Milwaukee and Giannis being somebody who was picked in the middle of the first round in 2013, and the same could be said for Kawhi and the Raptors. But to look at these teams and then say there's some kind of shift in the NBA where you don't need the top picks is making a monumental mistake. And even if you believe that it's true, we'd have to see it for multiple seasons before I'd be ready to dismiss what has been just religion in this league that you need those top picks. Like, that's the thing that I can't... I think people want to believe that you don't need the top picks and that the Bucks and Raptors are not some sort of anomaly, that it proves that GMs aren't good at this, and there's just some joy taken in somehow from different writers and opinion people about the NBA. To look at Giannis, to look at Kawhi, to see those rosters and go, well, that's the way you really want to do it. That would be like you being a freshman at college, coming back for Christmas and telling your parents, you know what? I'm over that thing. I'm out. I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm dropping out of school. Steve Jobs, ever heard of him? <laughs> you, you just, you wouldn't do that. I love that. when people cite the Steve Jobs. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, you know, like a buddy from home that can't even get into a good school and he's sitting there, you know, no offense because, I mean, it happens. But, like, that guy telling you, like, you know what, that whole school thing, Bill Gates, you know, come on. All right. Yes. There are some people who are really, really successful in business that dropped out of college, didn't need it, and moved on to great things. Most of us kind of need to go there. Most of us need to go to school. Now, we could even get into a current, updated version of college, how important, how valuable is it, debt service, all that different things. We've touched on that in the past on the show. I'm not going to do that right now and get into is college necessary debate because it'd be great if we had a world where it wasn't entirely necessary or it wasn't just accepted that you were supposed to take on all this debt if you can't pay your own bills or have a situation where you're lucky enough with your family can pay all of your stuff. Because if you look through it, as cool as this is, as cool as it is that Giannis is the 15th pick, Bledsoe's the uh, 18th pick, Malcolm Brogdon's a second rounder. What else have we got here? Gasol doesn't count because he's not even playing. George Hill was the 26th pick. Brooke Lopez was the 10th pick. Middleton was actually a second rounder seven years ago, too, as well. All, these are late picks. These are late picks for a core of a team. And I'm also not going to do this exercise through this where I count players on teams that were really high picks, but at the time they were on that team, they were no longer kind of that guy in league stature, right? So the same goes for Toronto. If you look at all their guys, you know, Kawhi, mid-first. Um, Siakam went 27th. Lowry went late. There's there's just a bunch of, bunch of this stuff coming out here. But if you go over, and I just did this the other night. It was the last 30 seasons. Here are the teams who won championships in the last 30 seasons. I stopped at 30 because I could have kept going. And who won a title? 
And let's see how many teams have won a title without one of those top draft picks, who was a core guy for them, okay? And I'm not – so I'll, I'll give you a couple examples where it felt like it was not the case. Golden State last two years, Durant, number two pick. Cavs, LeBron, number one pick. Kyrie was also a number one pick. You could say in 2015 with Golden State winning that Curry was their best player and he was the seventh pick. That's actually low for this study. Yes, Andrew Bogut was a number one pick that was on the team, but I'm not even I'm not even using that one to help my argument because I don't need it because the rest of it is so overwhelming. Yep. San Antonio Duncan first. By the way, I went back and looked at that San Antonio comeback season, you know, the redemption season after they beat Miami. Um, this is crazy. Kawhi was third in scoring that year for San Antonio. So that was kind of the coming out party for Kawhi because of what he did in the finals. Game one, game two, he had nine points in both those games against Miami, and then he basically didn't miss from three the rest of the series. <laughs> had 29, 20, and 22 points. But if you think 2014 Kawhi, you'd probably think, okay, that's when he started becoming a star. He scored 12 a game. He was third in scoring. Parker led the team in scoring. Duncan was second, and Kawhi was only 12th. So maybe I'm making the mistake of assuming too much from everybody else, but I'd imagine more people would forget that. And you're like, that's right. Like he wasn't actually a superstar yet, but he became one really in those finals. No, I think people give him credit. I think you're right. I think people give him credit for being like the superstar on that team that year. I I wouldn't, I'd, I'd forgotten that. I think a lot of people would have forgotten that. If, and if you go back and look at it, if you had said how many points a game did Kawhi score when they won that title in San Antonio, I doubt many people would say 12. And now I'm starting to second guess myself because it seems so ridiculous. So why don't we check it one more time? Live stats, research on this as we do the podcast. And I just pluralized him, which is a little weird. So, um, 2013, 14. Come on. This is such good radio. All right. Yep. So his first three seasons, eight points a game, 12 points a game, 12 point eight points per game and that was yes when they beat the heat they smashed the heat that series was filthy from san antonio okay continuing miami won back-to-back previous to that you had lebron at one bosch four wade five dallas dallas the year they beat lebron in the first version of the heat this one helps the late pick argument Dirk was ninth overall. He was clearly their best player. He's one of the best players to, you know, in this league to be picked that much later. Yes, Jason Kidd was the second pick, but he was 37 years old. So I'm not going to use that one. So that's two that I'm not going to use in the argument in my favor. All right. Well, buckle up because check out the rest of them. The Lakers win back to backs. Yes, Kobe was the 13th pick, but Pau Gasol, he was second in scoring on those teams and he was the second overall pick. Boston had KG, 4th, Ray, 5th, Paul Pierce. Don't even need him, even though he's the 10th pick. And 10th, if it was just Paul Pierce and he were 10th, this would help the argument that you don't need those top picks. Then San Antonio with Duncan again. And then Miami with Shaq, the number 1 pick, and Wade, the number 5 pick. Then Duncan again. Then Detroit. And you're going, wait a minute, Detroit was a collection of guys. Yeah, Phillips was still the 3rd pick. Rip was the 7th pick. Sheed was the 4th pick. And you're going, wait a minute, Sheed, wasn't he washed up then? No, he was 29 years old and he was 3rd in scoring, even though he didn't play a full season for them, but then continued the rest of the way. Another Duncan one with San Antonio. Three in a row for Shaq as the number one pick. Then two number one picks and Duncan and Robinson with San Antonio. Jordan, the number three pick. Keem, the number one pick. And then we could go all the way back to all the Jordan ones again. And we could even do Isaiah Thomas, who was the number two pick. 
in their back-to-back titles. So all I'm saying is, is yes, this is interesting, but it's actually rare, and it would have to happen far more often for me to look at this and accept this as the norm, as somehow the top picks are overrated and they don't. Don't do that. Don't do that at least yet. If we get four or five more years of this, and who knows what could happen with Giannis, but Giannis would be that guy who is very special and that he could end up being the best player in this game as the 15th pick in a draft. It doesn't happen. That's a credit to him. And you can say, and I've heard a couple of people say, well, GMs did a better job with this stuff. John Hammond, who took him when he was there, has told me to my face, I go, what did you see? And he went, well, you know, we thought at that point in the draft it was worth taking a shot at it. We never thought he'd be this good. <laughs> and that's what I love from him, the honesty. It's like Hammond's a really cool guy. I love talking to him. And when he sits there and he just goes, well, Ryan, and he just shrugs and he goes, heck, heck if we knew, you know, like one of those deals. And not every GM would give you that honesty. Like some GMs would be like, how can I find ways to build up my rep even more on this? And it's very similar for Kawhi. Go back, like, tell me you saw this at San Diego State. Hell, it took him a few years to even start putting up buckets in the NBA. And he was this weird frontline kind of undersized guy in Kawhi that you didn't really know how he fit because he didn't look like he could shoot. So sometimes you can sit there and say, this GM sucks, this one doesn't know what he's doing, this guy's terrible, and you're going to be right. But to just cast all 30 guys aside because Kawhi and Giannis are who they are and then expand that out into this is how rosters should be built today and that you don't need those top draft picks, you're either not doing any research or – you are expecting this league to completely pivot away from the best players are usually always at the top of the draft. And it's like 90% of the time. I mean, I even went further because I was doing this thing where I was looking at draft picks and just the success rate of this stuff. I went back five years ago. Here are your second rounders. Alan Crabb, massive success story. But, I mean, it's absurd the contract he got. I'll keep going. Alex Abrinas played and then kind of had a weird thing going on. Carrick's Felix, no. Isaiah Cannon, mm. Glenn Rice, Ray McCallum, Tony Mitchell, Nate Walters, Jeff Withy, Grant Jarrett, Jamal Franklin, Pierre Jackson, Ricky Lito, Mike Muscala, um, Marco Todorovic, Eric Green, Raul Neto, Ryan Kelly, Eric Murphy, James Ennis, Romero Ospi, Lorenzo Brown, Colton Iverson, um, Arsalan Kazemi, Jeffrey Laverne, Peyton Silva, excuse me, not Silva, Peyton Siva. Nice. Um, Alex Oriaki, Deshaun Thomas, Boyan, not that one, Dubjojvich, Giannis Tima. Okay, so the next time your GM goes, man, we have four second rounders and we're freaking stoked. You should calm down. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just... I, you know, that was one of those real things with, with Hinky that drove me absolutely crazy is that Hinky kept talking about it and Daryl talked about it a little bit too and other guys, second rounders. I will, I would tell you like gun to the head of a GM, you have three second rounders and the GM's like, damn it. Like I got to take three guys and give him gear. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know we're going to cut. Yes, some second rounders work out. And well, yeah, that's awesome. what I'm saying. From yeah. Maury's perspective, I mean, he obviously hit on Parsons before Parsons, like you know, fell off a cliff, and he was great for what a, a 
three-year period there where he was getting paid probably under a million bucks a year, and that's great. So you basically have like a, you know, an all-star caliber player for making, you know, the, almost the league minimum. But, but, but uh, you know, that's that's what happens is that people, like it's kind of cool in a weird way that people, it's a positive sign, which doesn't happen very often, but people do the thing where they remember the great second round stories and they go, and that was just random. Like I didn't load that one up. I could do this all day if you want and just run through second rounders. But there is not, despite what you see from Kawhi and Giannis, and I've sat with teams that have showed me and different teams have different ways to evaluate what they see as a successful career. But if you looked at a bell curve of pick one through 60 and said, okay, you have to have this, this minimum, like, okay, what's, what's your, I'm trying to think. You could do VORP, I guess. You'd, let's just say you did win shares. Okay. And you go, let's look at the win share spread from pick one to 60. And it would just be a cliff. It would just be a cliff. And in the NFL, it's probably a little different because I think it's a harder thing. I think it's a harder sport to evaluate and trying to figure out like how guys are going to go into different systems. I was looking at drafts because this is the other thing. Did you know that the draft used to be 10 rounds? I did not. Whoa. You didn't know that? Yeah. <laughs> let me, let me see. Let me see if I can go. Cause I was going through, I don't know why I was doing this. I was going through the 1970. That was the magic draft. Okay. And I just kept trying to figure out like, what? There was actually like one dude who played one year. He was a tenth, he was the 198th pick in 1979. The whole ninth round never played in the league. <laughs> Eighth round, one guy played 15 years. Charles Jones, Albany State, shout out. The whole, the whole seventh round didn't play. The sixth round didn't play a game, a freaking game. You had back to back rounds of players who never played. Mark Eaton, one of the all-time success stories, fifth rounder, 11 years. That's incredible. But I just, I'm trying to remember if it went a little bit later even, if I go like to 1959. I know that sounds nuts. Cincinnati Royals had the top pick, Bob Boozer. Remember that one? Stud. Stud. Wait a minute, did the draft just disappear on me now? Hope you guys like this live. This live scrolling that I'm doing. We're going to start incorporating this into the pod a little bit more. Um, the territorial picks were Wilt Chamberlain and Bob Ferry, but Bob Boozer out of K State, he went to the Cincinnati Royals. That's the other thing is you used to be able to do territorial stuff. So they had, they had 14 rounds. Jack Israel for the Knicks was the 83rd pick in a Missouri State. No one is listening to this anymore, but there were also a lot less teams. So, yeah, 10 rounds of this stuff. Then finally the league goes, hey, you know what we don't need is this. I actually am surprised we haven't had a writer suggest that we should go back to three rounds. I'd be interested in the territorial stuff, though. i tell you that. That'd be awesome. Bringing it back? I mean, yeah, somebody would argue that it's, like, anti, you know, whatever. But I, I think it'd be kind of cool. So, basically, if you're from, like, a certain – I mean, I don't know how it necessarily works. Or from a certain radius outside of your team's facility that you – they got first dibs at you? Yeah, like – Red Arback got the Holy Cross guys, even though it wasn't, it wasn't exactly down the street, but, you know, it wasn't like the Knicks were going to get him. Um, it was a way to, you know, like Rebecca Lobo was just put on the New York Liberty when the WNBA started up because it was just, we need, and it was, I think it was the same thing for Lisa Leslie. She just put on the Sparks and they were like, this is how we're doing it. Back off. We need to, we need to make the league better. I'm pretty sure that's right. I just, my WNBA history, I've got some holes in it, but 
that's what they used to. I don't know. Yeah, there's no way you could even bring that. I mean, hell, you have guys arguing we shouldn't even have a draft anymore. <laughs> so I do think there are some things that need to happen that help the overall health of the league that may feel outdated labor-wise, but um, that's that's another conversation where I feel like I, sometimes I'm like, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, this isn't the worst job you could have. But again, these guys have a skill set that almost nobody else in the world has. Like, how many people are Zion Williamson? Should he be able to just go wherever he wants to go? And as I've gotten older, knowing that I've had a stretch of probably dismissing a lot of stuff, and I've tried to become more open-minded about things instead of becoming more closed-minded, which I think is what happens when you get older, I go, okay, well, wait a minute. You know, map it out for me. Tell me how it works. What does he get to do? I've talked to different people that have suggested just open bidding on everybody depending on what your cap space is so you'd be actually saving cap space not just for free agency but also for every draft pick that's coming in that would be hysterical because guys would get there'd be guys there'd be like eighth and ninth picks making way more money than they do now with the draft slotting just because of a gm being so excited about being something new and that's where you'd have teams making huge mistakes money-wise because instead of paying somebody five, they'd be paying somebody 15 who's never played before. And then you'd have the older players going, well, why are we allowing this to happen? This mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Let's get the money back with the veterans. So that's another thing. It's not just about labor and rookies and fair and unfair and outdated principles and updating these things and making it this completely open market, which, all right, present it to me and tell me the things that I need to prepare for and the unintended consequences that happen. But then you'd also have a fight of players with established time in the league going wait a minute this is i don't i don't want this i don't want like let's keep the rookie scale so there's more of that money to go around a free agency because in the nba it's actually worked where in the nfl i think the unintended consequence of the rookie contracts is that the league has just grown younger and younger and the vets that thought they were getting all that money coming back to them although the cap has gone so up so much i'd imagine it's it's helped out a little bit but it wasn't the absolute payoff at least from players arguments that they thought it was going to be Issue too, I feel like, is if you're, you know, you're kind of, it's going to force teams, the small market teams in the NBA, to have to overpay to use their cap space to get guys to come to their city, right? That, yeah, exactly. I mean, if Zion were, it was a free market and you could pay him thirty million, everyone would pay him thirty million. They would pay him the top dollar they possibly could. Okay, so let's just start there. There wouldn't be any. Hey, we're going to offer you twenty eight. No, no, it's going to be the full rookie max or whatever. You know, this is all make believe then New Orleans would never get any of these guys, ever. And the argument for for the draft is you've got, you've got to figure out a way to spread the talent around as much as you possibly can, and then there's a more mercenary approach to it where it would be, screw everybody. Why why does anybody have to help them out? You know. But try being a GM on one of those teams that would never get any of these guys. Try being a fan. Of one of those guys. I, I just don't like when I'll hear a writer just dump on the idea of like, well, if the Pelicans can't get their, you know, together, or if the or if the Charlotte Hornets are a mess, or you know, Sacramento's a mess, like that's their fault. Like Sacramento, I would admit, you know, up prior to this season, a lot of their problems were their own faults. But this is that just seems cold. But maybe I'm maybe I'm outdated. You know, maybe I'm outdated thinking that it's still kind of nice to think that every fan base has a chance to maybe get their hands on one of these guys and and have something to be excited about. Because you know how much it sucks to never be excited about your team for like five or six years? It's awful. I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you're still so passionate. 
I'm hoping, I'm hoping we're, we're going to have our magic guys. I want to do the Saruti magic gift pack. I've really dragged on that. I've mentioned it to a few people with the Orlando magic, how excited you are about everything. I think we need to get your spirits up. Whose jersey would you want the most? A Saruti jersey or a Mo Bamba? Bamba, yeah, that'd be good for the people, you know, the, the, the culture. People would love that. I don't know. My, my, my favorite player, or I guess like the guy that I have the most hope in would be Great Isaac. Great rapper. Would be Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac, you want like an Isaac, like a blue one? Uh, I, w- I would definitely want one of the throwback, like '90s ones for sure. Whatever what would be the you want. What would be the worst one you could get? Like just number one with Roma on the back. Of, that'd like, be pretty alternate. bad. Yep, that'd be, yeah. that'd be a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> would it be worse if it said Roma, or would it be worse if it said like an actual player? I think Roma is the worst. Roma would be weird because it, it wouldn't make any sense. None. Um, at all, but. I'm also not a huge fan of like the personalized, like not, not like, cause I you know you and Scott, whatever, throughout the years would get like gifts from teams. It'd be like, you know, number one, Rosillo. But like if, if I was, I would never buy that for myself. Like I, I would never want my name, like to buy my name on the back of a jersey. I'd always want to buy somebody else's jersey, right? Yeah, I gotta admit, it's pretty cool when the Blackhawks did that for us in Minnesota's jerseys. Yeah. I don't wear it a lot. It's something that you maybe hang up. I don't know. I do. Know. My sister took, the one that was spelled correctly. Spelled right, yeah. She thought it was the coolest thing ever, and she couldn't believe when I was moving out of West Hartford. She just goes, You're "Hockey ones me. are cool, though." Yeah, it, she just she had never really seen it. She wasn't she's not a huge sports fan, and she's a total sweetheart. And the smile on her face when she was like, "Wait a minute, what?" I was like, "Yeah, you can have it. I just take it." And she was like, "Are you serious?" And then she like immediately went cross country skiing, and she was wearing it. I thought it was the funniest <laughs> thing ever. It was a real cool brother sister moment. And then she's like, I really can have this one. I go, you know what? If it was just this one, maybe I wouldn't give it to you, but you're just so freaking happy about it right now. I can't not give it to you. And I was like, and then I have the collector's edition misspelling one. Yeah. That thing's going to be worth, that thing's going to be worth hundreds. (laughs) Uh, something just popped up though. What if we, what if the jersey said Romagic? That'd be even worse somehow. (laughs) I'm trying to find a way to make the jersey worse every, every couple Hmm. minutes. Okay. I mean, you can get the mascot one would be tough, like the, the number half, and then like stuff the magic dragon. <laughs> that'd be a tough one. To, that'd be a tough one to wear around. <laughs> it just says stuff on the back. I think so. Yeah, he's actually a great mascot, though. Well, that's good. That's good to know. But I, hey, I don't want his jersey, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I'll make sure. I'll make sure if we ever get you this thing. I'm starting to feel it's never going to happen because I'm going to forget about it as soon as I get off the podcast here today. But I want to remind everybody that weddings can have 99 problems, but the groom's tux shouldn't be one of them. That's why our friends at theblacktux.com design rental suits and tuxedos that you'll love wearing at your wedding. So if you end up getting featured on a list of 23 epic wedding fails for your reception table catching on fire or your DJ playing let's get it on during the father-daughter dance, at least you know you'll look good for your close-up. What I really love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it out one last time. Talk about commitment. Over 5,000 five-star reviews across Wedding Wire, The Knot, and their website agree. You won't find a rental experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. And this is before the call to action, which is written in bold. If you have an issue and it's a last-minute Black Tux thing, I'm giving you the Rosillo guarantee here 
where if you tweet at me and you need me to help coordinate something, I'm not talking discounts, so don't, you know, let's not, let's not get weird here. But I've had a couple of people be like, hey, I'm running into a problem. And then I've DM'd the Black Tux for that person. All right. Now, if I'm just off Twitter and not feeling it that day and I want to watch a game and not see everybody's jokes for two and a half hours, then I may not come through. So let's call it a 90% guarantee. So if you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, rent your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy $20 off with your code Ryan, R-Y-E-N. That's theblacktux.com, code Ryan, R-Y-E-N. For $20 off your purchase, the Black Tux formal wear for the moment. What's our time at right now, Saruti? Just under an hour. My God, I can't believe we did an hour today. I just had one last thing I want to talk about. Um, my good friend and now retired NFL player, Chris Long, admitted on a podcast that he smoked weed. You think you know a guy. And he comes and stays with you. He invites you to a Willie Nelson show. And then you're going to read about this in the media where he never felt comfortable enough to open and tell me this. And I never knew. Uh, wow. Blindsided. So I'm just going to take a moment and I want everybody to know I still care about him as a friend, but you know, had I known, I think I could have handled some things differently. (laughs) Enjoy the podcast, (laughs) subscribe, rate and review. And uh, we had a guest mishap, but it sounds like this guest is really excited to join us next week. And then I had a GM lined up, and that GM's team just lost in the playoffs. So I felt like, you know what, he's not going to want to do come on this podcast. I'll give us some time. Yeah, we had him lined up, and uh, I don't know, we made it. We made it an hour here, sir. Is there anything else we needed to get to? No, I just want somebody to take that Chris Long thing out of context so bad. Are you kidding? Do you know the spin <laughs> class fallout that I've been dealing with? That's true, I know. We don't We don't want to go down that road again. I can't believe people aggregated this spin class thing. So for those that don't realize what happens here, and if you were listening to last week's podcast, we were talking about the Lakers trade thing and that people were telling Jeannie Buss this, and then it turned into like me making a joke, but like, what are we talking about here? Like people in her spin class? And I think Bleacher Report took it seriously, and they were the first. And so once they did it, then everybody thought like, okay, well, it's open season because now no one else is listening to the podcast, and they're just going... Ryan Russillo is reporting that the source was uh, a spin class person with Jeannie Buss. And so then, and I'm not going to get into it because I like the guy, but I had to, I had to deal with uh, stuff from management. And uh, it was, it was obviously, it was able, he was able to, you know, we put that fire out quick, but you're just sitting there going, all right, come on guys, spin class. I was scrolling through NBA Reddit last night, and it was all up on on Reddit. And, P- and it was funny because there was some guy that was like, "Yeah, some, most people just don't get Rosillo's jokes." Like, and I was like, "Yeah, that's, that's the way to describe it." I guess, I, but I, I don't. I mean, that one. I thought I even framed it that way. I don't know. Maybe I have to go back and look at it. Maybe I got to make sure. Maybe we should have some sort of sound. But I don't know. I don't know. I know I can be too deadpan at times, but sarcastic filter. Yeah, and just. The, the Chris Long thing I just did, it was a joke, all right? It was a joke. So there you go. So that we don't have to do it. All right, that's good. We'll talk to you next week.